0: Welcome to Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society, Ontario's premier no-kill shelter. My society. My society.
1: Burlington Humane is my
0: society. Hello everyone, and welcome to Burlington Humane the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society. My name is Doug, and I'm coming to you from beautiful Burlington, Ontario. On this episode of Burlington Humane, we will talk with Dr. Emmanuel Fontaine of Royal Canin about the importance of spaying and neutering your pet. We'll talk with Dr. Ian Sandler from the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association about what they are all about and we'll learn about the cats with coats of many colors, calico cats. So stay with us for this and much more on Burlington Humane. At Burlington Humane, we ensure that all animals we adopt out are spayed and neutered. I talked with Dr. Emmanuel Fontaine, Technical Services Veterinarian at Royal Canin, about why this is so important for all pet owners. I'm here with Dr. Emmanuel Fontaine. He is the Technical Services Veterinarian here at Royal Canin, and we're talking about spaying and neutering our pets. Welcome.
2: Hello, and thanks for having me.
0: So spay and neutering your pet, I hear that all the time that it's really important. Why is it important to spay and neuter your pets?
2: Well, I think uh, there are many, many different things to approach when we speak about spaying and neutering. And I believe it's important because I think all pet owners want their pets to be as healthy as possible. So today we know that what we call genital disorders in dogs and cats are very, very common. Especially, yes, we can speak, for instance, mammary tumors, what we could call breast cancers. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, They are, depending on the studies, number one or number two cause of cancer in pets that are not fixed. And this is very, very frequent. It's kind of interesting because in North America, uh, because so many pets are spayed and neutered, we tend to forget that because we don't see that so often. If you go to South America or even in Europe, where there are many pets that are not uh, fixed, you will see that it's one of the most common cause of consultation. Really? And that's, for me, a a very important reason why our pets, if they are not meant to be bred, they should be spayed and neutered. For their health, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's... it's kind of a priority in, 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 in today's world, because mm-hmm. we have evidence that if you don't spay and neuter to them, there are, there's an increased risk for those uh, genital disorders. I uh, mentioned mammary tumors, but we could also speak about uh, pyometra, which, is lit- which literally means pus in the uterus. It's a very common disorder oh. we will see in adult bitches. And uh, that's something we see quite often in pets that are not spayed and neutered, because it's related to the secretion of the hormones from the ovaries, Uh so if you remove the ovaries, this cannot happen.
0: And are there health benefits for male pets as well?
2: Yes, there are. Uh, Males are a little bit different when it comes to spaying and neutering. Uh, You see, in females, we want them to be spayed and neutered uh, generally before their first season, because we know that after their first season, there's a higher risk to to see mammary tumors.
0: Okay, and when would that happen?
2: Uh, typically it depends on the breed. Uh, oh. It would be between six months for, for a small breed to sometimes twenty-four months uh, in oh. a giant breed. Okay. So yep. but uh, in male dogs we know that if we don't if they are uh, if they are not spayed and no they are not they <laughs> there's a higher risk for Testicular tumors, obviously. But the risk is not as high because testicular tumors will not develop be- before six, seven, eight years of age. So uh, the main reason why people usually want to, to, to noiter their dog would be behavior. Because the males yes. have a tendency to look for females, they might be a little bit more um, uh, sometimes we say aggressive, but it 's just their behavior their spraying their, this mm-hmm. might be one of the most important reasons why we should like to, to we would like to spay uh, to, to neuter a male dog. Very often, people will tell me oh, but it 's important because of something they call prostatic cancer. Prostatic cancer is very, very rare in dogs in fact uh, I think it's 0.3% of dogs so it's basically it's very rare and it's kind of interesting it's more often found in dogs that are noiter so it's oh n- really so it's not that important uh, at the end of the day because it's a very small portion of individuals that might develop it but castration will not decrease the risk of prostatic cancer. Uh, it will decrease the risk of something we call prostatic hyperplasia, a big prostate, which is something that okay, might happen yeah, yeah. over the years. Uh, but again, it will happen at seven, eight years of age. So again, for male dogs, uh, sp- neutering will be important to control behavioral issues eventually, yeah. but we don't need to do this as early as in females, for instance, it's not an emergency. In, in male dogs, while in females, we have to weigh the pros and cons, especially the ones related to mammary tumors. So it really is important to spay and neuter your pet. Uh, it is, it is, yeah. and it's kind of interesting because there's a big controversy at the moment. If you go online, many people go online, and they will find articles mentioning that oh, spaying and neutering is bad. We shouldn't do that because it increases the risk of certain disorders, etc., especially orthopedic disorders in bigger dogs, and. To tell the truth, today, there's still a big (laughs) discussion. It's a very hot topic in veterinary medicine. Uh, Some people say, oh, maybe we should delay uh, the spaying and neutering procedure. In the past, we were saying six months, and at six months, we would spay and neuter. Now, some people say maybe we should delay it in certain breeds. Uh, Some other people say those studies are not relevant because it only focuses on small populations. So it it cannot be applied to all pets. So there's still a big controversy on those things. I think at the end of the day, it's important to have the discussion with the veterinarian. We have data today telling us, for instance, if your dog is um, a, a golden retriever, there are studies saying that there might be an increased risk of certain types of joint disorders. So in this specific situation, Maybe the veterinarian will decide to to postpone the surgery a little bit later in the mm-hmm. life of the animal. But it should be a case by case decision. Yeah, we know that today it's not. Spain is always good. Uh, there might be cases that we need to consider if it's when it should be done. I, I think the question is not should we do it or not. The question should be when should when we it do should it. Be done. Yeah. That would be the be- the most important question in my exactly. opinion. Exactly,
0: and we've noticed that the, the shelter we require that all of our animals that are adopted out be spayed yes. or neutered and we've noticed that particularly in cats the feral cat population and the stray cat population has gone down consistently every year in canada so mm-hmm. the message is really getting out there and it's working
2: uh, fully agreed i think again uh, when it, I, it, there are always two sides of the coins to to to, to assess somehow Uh, On the shelter side, we want to focus on pet overpopulation, which is Mm -hmm. very important. And I fully agree that in your your case, all pets should be spayed and neutered. Then some individual owners might think, oh, we don't want to spay them right now, etc. Then if they can make sure those pets are not bred, then they can eventually delay, postpone a little bit. the the decision of doing the Mm -hmm. surgery but at the end of the day as we said it's mainly about when we should do the surgery and not if we should do the surgery on not. yeah especially if those pets are not meant to be bred definitely very important
0: great well thank you so much for joining us here on Burlington Humane thank you (laughs) support Burlington Humane when you make purchases from Amazon if you head to our website you will see a link on our homepage and on our wish list page that will take you directly to Amazon's website every time you make a purchase on Amazon by accessing their site through Burlington Humane's link we receive a small compensation from Amazon you don't pay anymore but the animals will benefit so, make your Amazon purchases count by going to Amazon through the link on burlingtonhumane.ca. The more you shop, the more you help the animals at Burlington Humane. You can also purchase items from the Amazon website and have them delivered directly to BHS. During checkout, enter our address as the delivery location: 740 Griffith Court, Burlington, Ontario, L7L. 5R9. Search Amazon wishlist Burlington Humane Society for items that we are in need of. We appreciate all purchases and donations. Thank you from Burlington Humane. Canadian Veterinary Medical Association is the voice of Canadian veterinarians and promotes issues pertaining to the field of veterinary medicine in Canada, as well as advocating for animal welfare. I talked with Dr. Ian Sandler to find out more. I'm here with Dr. Ian Sandler and he's with the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association. Welcome Dr. Sandler. Thanks Doug, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Now you're with the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association, exactly what does that organization do?
3: Well the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association is really uh, if you will the national advocacy uh, body for uh, really veterinary medicine and and veterinary activities in Canada so um, it is a advocacy group that really uh, was formed uh, many years ago that involves members uh, primarily of the veterinary community, mm-hmm. but uh, also some technicians um, and, and and various key opinion leaders, if you will, and other groups. But if you look at the main role of of the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association, it's looking at at advocacy in terms of um, you know behavioral, certainly animal health issues, um, mm-hmm. position statements around the care, the use of animals. Um, and how we, as a society, can intervene in the daily um, welfare, if you will, of of animals within Canada itself. So, so,
0: so do they conduct research studies? It's it's, it's not a
3: research-based organization at all. So when I say research, they don't they don't do any animal testing or anything along those lines. What what the CBMA really does is look at things like. Uh, position statements for husbandry care. So, what is the you know minimum level of of care that should occur for for example cows that are being milked, or oh, okay. uh, you know how are animals um, you know transported, or what is minimum um, you know safety care for you know for animals in in a specific situation. So, really they they help to. Um, you know, frame, if you will, what are some of the minimum standards or what are the position Mm -hmm. statements around animal welfare and animal husbandry, certainly even things along declawing uh, for cats and Mm -hmm. and where that has gone. So certainly, you know, over time there's been a strong movement to look at, um, you know, alternatives to declawing for, you know, the treatment of scratching, if you will, within Mm -hmm. houses. So, um, you know, certainly they, they have a strong um, sort of advocacy side with yeah. respect to animal welfare. The other thing that's very important with the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association, if, if there are international issues around disease prevention, disease control that, that go beyond the borders of just Canada, then mm-hmm. it's important that there's a central advocacy group, if you oh, will, that yeah. can speak to that. So, um, you know, again, there's 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 multiple um, you know, groups that are involved with the CBMA that have sort of stakeholder mm-hmm. um, you know, input in terms of um, what is the best way to really look of, of the role of a veterinarian within Canada. But also, so many issues that come across veterinary medicine are, are beyond just the small animal or large animal pra- practice scope, yeah. if you will. Um, certainly they're uh, you know very involved in, in the, the proper use of animals. Um, around research for example so they do have some input in into oh, that yeah. um, you now there's a, a separate organization that, that is very involved in uh, you know animal care for example in, in research settings okay, but yeah. certainly um, you know the CBMA has input with all of these different groups to really make sure that that veterinarians are advocating for animals constantly which is which is what we do
0: great now as a pet owner our are the, is a typical pet owner, can they get involved somehow? Is the, is the association applicable to...?
3: It's, it's a great question. Certainly if there's specific concerns around you know, any particular area, they can always reach out to the CVMA. The CVMA mm-hmm. provides continuing education to veterinarians. They provide journals. They provide mm-hmm. updates. So they're very involved primarily with veterinarians, but uh, really the CBMA is focusing on, on five animal freedoms, if you will, uh, proper nutrition, uh, proper socialization, adequate uh, sheltering, appropriate veterinary care, and allowing animals to uh, exhibit normal animal behavior. So again, they are involved in advocacy on a national level, um, and certainly they're, uh, you know, they're very involved in a number of different sort of governmental sides of -hmm. of, again just the advocacy and and the outreach in terms of what veterinarians do how animals interact with us in society and how can we ensure really that that all of those mechanisms are looked at on a continuous basis
0: perfect well thank you so much for joining us here on Burlington Humane nice to be with you Doug thanks for your time bye-bye
4: Are you looking for good quality items at an affordable cost? Do you want to purchase to make a difference? Then come to The Loft and the Attic, Burlington Humane Society Secondhand Stores. We offer gentle use items at unbelievable prices and 100% of the proceeds goes to helping the animals at the Burlington Humane Society. The Loft is located at the Burlington Humane Society at 740 Griffith Court and the attic is located right downtown at 479 John Street. And if you have gentle-use items that you would like to donate, we take glass, china, clothes, books, and many other items. Our secondhand stores are run completely by volunteers, which may be another way that you can help. For complete information about The loft in the Attic, visit our website at www.burlingtonhumane.ca. Come visit us at the Loft and Attic to purchase your secondhand items and make a difference to the animals at Burlington Humane.
0: Cats come in various coat colours, but some of the most interesting are calico cats. They are cats of many colours.
1: Calico cats, a cat of many colours. Calico cats have beautiful distinctive tricolour coats. The term calico refers to the tricolour fur coat of the cat. It is not a breed of cat. Calico cats are almost always white with black and orange splotches, although they can sometimes sport other colors like brown or grey. Second, most calicos are almost always female. It all comes down to basic genetics. If you think back to your high school biology class, eggs have one X chromosome and are contributed by the female. Sperm is contributed by the male and contains either an X or a Y chromosome. When sperm joins with the egg, the combination of XX or XY creates the gender of the cat. A kitten with two XX chromosomes will be female, and a kitten with XY chromosome will be male. Dr. Bruce Cornrick, Associate Director at Cornell Feline Health Center at Cornell University in New York, says that some attributes, like coat color, are passed down in the cat's sex chromosomes. Normal females are XX and normal males are XY, Cornrick says. Because females have XX, they can receive coat input from the queens, the females, and the toms, the males. In other words, if one of the X chromosomes in a female cat carries a black gene and the other one is an orange gene, in that case you'll have this calico mix. But because males only get one X chromosome, it's not common for them to have this mix they only get the coat colour from the queen alone, from one parent. In order for a calico coat to occur, one of the cat's X chromosomes has to carry a black gene, and the other might carry an orange gene. If both the female chromosomes are black, then she'll be black. If they're both orange, she'll be orange. If the chromosomes are mixed, black and orange, then she'll be calico. The patches and calicos occur during the early stages of development, when genes for black fur and genes for orange fur are randomly distributed all over the fertilized egg. A black patch of fur is created when the X chromosome carrying the gene for orange fur is inactivated. Conversely, an orange patch of fur is created when the X chromosome carrying the gene for black fur is inactivated. Because of the unusual genetic component, no two calico cats are alike. The markings will never be exactly the same, even in twins. Something else highly unlikely in calico cats? Males. The chances are only 1 in 3,000. So what accounts for the random 1 out of 3,000? Occasionally, a male cat will inherit an additional sex chromosome and become XXY. There's actually something similar in humans, called Kleinfelter syndrome, Cornrick says, but in the cases of the cat, it will have an extra chromosome, and if both the X's aren't the same coat color, they can become calico. It's very rare, as the 1 in 3000 number suggests, but it does occur. If being rare wasn't enough of a life hurdle, male calicos are also sterile. And even though they can't reproduce, experts still recommend they be neutered to deal with territorial spraying and other behavioural issues. As for whether calicos make great household pets, cats in general have a reputation for being aloof and standoffish. There is good science to back up the notion that behaviour can be partially genetic, but that has to do with breeding, and calico is all about colouring. So the beauty of these cats cannot be denied, they are interesting and fascinating.
0: And now it's time for news and events.
1: Join us on Saturday, December 7th for our Burlington Humane Christmas Open House between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. This will be a chance to visit with our animals and buy Christmas treats at our bake sale. The Loft, our secondhand store, will also have a 50% off sale on everything in the store. Start the holiday season off right this Saturday at our Christmas open house.
0: Santa is coming to Burlington, and this is your last chance to get your pet's picture taken with Kris Kringle himself. He will be at Wren's Pets, 2424 Queensway Drive, Burlington, on Sunday, December 8th, between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. This will be on a first-come, first-served basis. Start the Christmas season off right! Santa Fix!
1: Do you have time on your hands and are looking for ways to volunteer and make a difference? Do you enjoy interacting with cats and kittens and ensure their health and safety? Then Burlington Humane has a place for you. We are in need of Cat and Kitten Feed and Clean volunteers for our morning Feed and Clean sessions volunteers start at 8 a.m. and help to feed our feline friends and clean and sanitize their cages. You can volunteer for as little as once a week to many mornings a week. This is a very important volunteer position and one where volunteers take great pride in. Fill out our online volunteer application form on our website if you are interested. Our cats and kittens look forward to seeing you.
0: Start the year off right with our 2020 Burlington Humane wall calendars. They are perfect For your home and office and make great gifts for the animal lovers in your life. Each month features one of our animals that have been adopted. Each calendar is $20 and is available at Burlington Humane. Available now, 2020 Burlington Humane calendars.
1: Burlington Humane's dog walking group will be taking a hiatus until spring. It has been a fun year of meeting new people, their dogs, and getting to know them during walks through Burlington. The attendance last year was very light, so we will be taking a break. Watch for the startup of Burlington Humane's dog walking group next April.
0: Have Burlington Humane be a part of your wedding by participating in Weddings with Burlington Humane. In lieu of costly favors, consider making a donation to your favorite no-kill shelter. Make your special day that much more special. Weddings with Burlington Humane.
1: Find the latest information about events, ways to make a donation, the animals that are up for adoption, and much more. Visit our website at BurlingtonHumane.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to stay in touch and up to date with Burlington Humane.
0: it for this episode of Burlington Humane, the podcast of the Burlington Humane Society. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Emmanuel Fontaine from Royal Canin, and Dr. Ian Sandler from the Canadian Veterinary Medical Association. Be sure to subscribe to Burlington Humane on iTunes. We are located at 740 Griffith Court in Burlington, Ontario. You can visit our website at www burlingtonhumane.ca or give us a call at 905-637-7325 you can also find us on twitter facebook and instagram thank you for joining us my name is Doug we'll see you next time on Burlington Humane bye bye my society my society.
4: Burlington Humane is
0: my society.